You know that uh, I was just reading this article where heart disease is the leading cause of death, you know, in America. That's the number one reason that people, you know, pass away. And, you know, part of it is high blood pressure. And I've had high blood pressure ever since I was a high schooler. But they call blood pressure, you know, the silent killer. Because you really don't know you have the symptoms until it's too late. And once you start feeling the symptoms of um, high blood pressure, something bad is about to happen. But as heart disease is the leading problem, you know, for the health of Americans, spiritual heart disease is the biggest issue in believers um, today in America. I believe that heart disease is the biggest issues that um, believers in America struggle with and is the most hazardous to our spiritual health. And, you know, there are symptoms. It could be like, I'm impatient or I lack compassion to those who are hurting. I'm more vulnerable to temptation. I begin to act like I deserve certain things. I'm short with people or I feel distant from God or my insecurities are more prevalent or I begin to look to others or other things to fill voids that only that I only know that God could fill. Now, 2-4 North, what are these also symptoms of? It wasn't a rhetorical question. A spiritually low gas tank. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> we just went over that Friday, but I'm going to call on you next time to make sure you, I keep you on your toes. But anyway, these are symptoms that, you know, maybe that we have a spiritual heart condition, right? And today we're going to take a look at the solution to help us cure or spiritual heart disease. So if you have a, your Bibles, can you turn with me as we continue to go through the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, 8, the author writes, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So he starts off by saying, Blessed are the pure in heart. So what does he mean by pure? Well, the word pure there is the same word that's used for remind, uh, refining metal. The Greeks use that word as a word that they used to whenever you had, let's say, gold or silver in order to refine it to become pure. And the way that we, we know that when you mine gold from the ground, it's mixed with all kinds of impurities. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, Gold Rush, but you always see that they melt it down and they put it into this, you know, kind of like this brick form. But the brick is dirty because you can see all of these, this dirt and the rocks and all of these other things that are mixed with the gold. But what, the, what they used to do is they used to keep heating it up. And then what, what happened, the impurities would rise to the top and you'd skim it off. And then, unfortunately, when it cooled, what would happen? The impurities would sink down and it would harden. And what would they have to do? They would have to heat it up again and the impurities would rise to the top. And they continued that process over and over and over again until the gold was pure. And this is what we're talking about here. Pure is something that's not mixed with any sort of contaminants. But also he says, blessed are the pure in heart. And so when we think of heart, what do we immediately think of? We really think about love. Like he says, I heart my dog, 
right? I mean, I love my dog, I heart my spouse, I love my wife, right? And so when we think about heart, we think about heart as a center of emotions. However, in Jesus' time, the heart was not the center of emotion. When they said heart, the heart was the center of everything that a person was. It was your inner being. Yes, it was your emotions, your feeling, but it was also your intellect and it was also your will. And so when he's talking about, you know, blessed are the pure of heart, he's, when he's talking about heart, he's talking about who you are, your inner person. And so when, he, when he's referring that spiritually, when he says, blessed are the pure of heart, is he's basically saying is their devotion for God is so pure that is not, it is not mixed with any other aspirations or desires. Once again, our, when it talks about having a pure heart, is that our devotion to God is not mixed with any other aspirations or Desires, And we can see that where it says, those who are pure in heart are singly focused on God. Okay? Do we get that? That's our first point. That those who have a pure heart are singly focused on God. God. Now, in our country, this poses a very difficult um, uh, thing to do. Because for, uh, for all of us in this room... We are the wealthiest people in the world. Did you know that if you make more than $32,000 a year, that you are in the top 1% of the world's wealth? If you make $32,000, you are in the top 1% of the world's wealth. You know, all the biblical passages pertaining to the wealthy are addressed to who? Us. They're not addressed to Bill Gates. They're not addressed to Warren Buffett because he said, those are the rich guys, not us. No, they are addressed to us. But the problem is when we're wealthy, we have a lot of purchasing power to buy or invest in many things that compete with our loyalty to God. Erwin McManus once said, the more you have, the more you have to lose. And the more you have to lose, the more you have to protect. And he said, the more you have to protect, the less willing you are to take risks for God. And the less risks you're willing to take for God, the less you will see God's power working in your life. The problem is we can't have it both ways. And so many of us want to have it both ways. If you look at James chapter 4, verse 8, the author writes, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Why? For your loyalty is divided between God and this world. He's telling them, guys, you got to stop. You guys got to repent. You can't have it both ways. And Jesus also says this in Matthew six twenty four, where Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, 
or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. But so many of us, we try our best to have it both ways, to have our cake and eat it too. So in one sense, we have one foot in trying to live the spiritual life. And we're really trying hard to follow God. We're really trying hard to obey Jesus Christ, to be his disciples. Yet on the other foot, it's in the world. Well, we want a comfortable life. We want a comfortable life for our children. There are certain goals that we have there. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, having things. There's nothing wrong with having these desires. The problem comes is when our loyalty is divided between the world and God. And what does Jesus say? You can't have it both ways. So if you're trying to do that, what Jesus is saying... You hate me. Because Jesus says you'll either love one and hate the other. And yet we don't realize that. And so one of the things we have to realize that having a pure heart, it's singly devoted to Jesus Christ. Also, the second point, those who are pure in heart have integrity between their motives and actions. Those who are pure in heart have integrity between the motives and actions. Matthew twenty three twenty five, And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. For those of you who don't know who the Pharisees were, they were the ruling um, religious leaders, you know, of that time. Okay? And this is what Jesus says to them. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. See, outwardly, these Pharisees looked, they were like the model Christians. They obeyed the law. They knew their Bible, you know. And so they were supposed to be the models of what a Jewish, a a righteous Jewish person would be. However, on the inside, they were driven by power. They were driven by material things. They were driven by popularity. Whenever they would go to a place or a home, they always occupied the best seats. They were always dressed the best. Why? Because they wanted people to look at them and to honor them and praise them. And so what Jesus is saying, yeah, you might be doing the right things. However, the motive for doing the right things are what? Impure. Your actions, there are incongruous with your motives. You know, and sometimes we get caught in that too, right? Where maybe we're serving or we're doing something, but there's a part of us that wants people to notice. I mean, have you ever done something for the Lord and you think it's really great and no one notices? You're like coming to a church and hoping that somebody will say, hey, I saw what you did, great job. And then church goes on as normal and no one says anything. It's like, huh. You know, we're a little bit, just a little bit disappointed. Why? Could it be that maybe we wanted people to notice? Maybe we wanted people to notice. 
What Jesus is saying here is that our motives have to match our actions. For God, external things were never important. Never important. When it comes to people, the inside was always important to God. Right? You know, in Samuel 16, 7, um, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. Now, this is when they were looking for a new king. And Samuel went to um, Jesse and paraded his sons. And he was going to say, okay, which one of Jesse's sons are going to be the king? So he lines them up, right? And so the Lord told Samuel, however, don't consider his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. For the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the what? People look at the outward experience, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is why it's so important to have a pure heart, because what? This is what God looks at. God doesn't care what we wear. God doesn't care what we do if it doesn't match with our heart. God has always been concerned with our heart. He's always been concerned about who we are on the inside. Who we are on the outside is less important. Right? But why? He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So what's the reward for those who are pure in heart? What's the reward for those who are solely devoted to God and Jesus Christ? What's the reward for somebody whose actions match their motives? Well, he says it's to see God. Now, we're not talking about this literally because we know that, you know, we're still um, sinners. And if we see a holy, righteous God, we would just, we'd all die, right? One day we'll see God face to face, but not now. So he's talking about um, figuratively that we will see God. But it also says, it's not just, okay, you'll see God once. It says, if we continue on in having a pure heart, they, we will continuously be seeing God for ourselves. It's a continuous thing. It's not just a one-time thing. But there's a caveat there. It's a caveat there. And it's, when it says they, that's emphatic. So only they who have a pure heart will see God. You know, how many times have we been frustrated when we've called out to God? Well, we say, God, you know, I can't see you working. You know, are you still out there? And there's a lot of frustration going on. And yes, sometimes God is silent. But also, could it be that just maybe, just maybe, that we don't have a pure heart? Because when we do have a pure heart and we see God, we will continuously see God working in our life. Not just the good things, but through the difficult times we will see God and we will um, experience you know, God's presence. And it's only when you, have, you and I have a pure heart that we will experience God. You know, Job rejoiced when he saw God. In Job 42.5, you know, Job writes, says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Remember Job went through all of those trials where he lost his family, he lost his career, he lost all of those material things, and he lost his health, and he finally got to have an audience with God. 
to ask him, why did you do these things to me? But what did God do? Instead of answering Job's question, God just gave a list of this is who I am as God. Can you do any of this? And he never gave Job an answer. But Job was able to see God when he realized who God is and the greatness of God by standing before him. And he rejoiced that he was able to see God. This is something that we should want. When we see God, we should want to see more and more and more of him. And so what do we do? How do we take steps to have a pure heart? And the first thing that we need to do is be honest with God about your heart condition. You know, Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. You know, we don't even know our heart, right? The Bible says the heart, above all things, is deceiving. So what do we need to do? Is we need to be honest about our heart condition. And say, okay, maybe my heart really isn't right with God. And if we don't know, ask God. Next thing we need to do is acknowledge that only God can make your heart pure. Only God can make your heart pure. You know, serving God all you want, doing all of the right things does not make your heart pure. Actions do not make your heart pure. Only God and God himself can make your heart pure. In Psalm 51.10, David says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. And I want to make one thing really clear here. A lot of us feel that we only see God when we succeed and we're doing a wonderful ministry, when we're going to Japan and we're seeing hundreds come to our event and to see people come to Christ. And we think those are the only times we experience God. And we're frustrated when that doesn't happen. However, I want to make it perfectly clear that it is possible and it happens that we can see God clearly when we fail. Because when David wrote this, this was right after Nathan confronted him and confronted him of his uh, adultery and uh, um, confronted him of his murder. And David was broken by his sin and he confessed. And I'll get, you know, for me, those are some of the clearest times when I see God. When I'm on my knees and I said, God, what did I just do? God, would you forgive me? Forgive me and help me to repent of this. Then what? You feel God's grace. You experience God's mercy. You experience God's forgiveness. And that is a part of seeing God, right? That's a part of seeing God. You know, some of the most significant and life-changing ways I've seen God were after my failures, When I was just in tears, just asking God for his forgiveness and just feeling and seeing God work in that. I can't thank God enough. Because to be honest with you, I'm more like the Apostle Paul than I am Moses. I'm more like the guy who said, God, you know, the things I know I should be doing, I'm not doing. (laughs) And the things I know that I should be doing, I'm not doing those. I'm more like that. But you know, it's wonderful 
when you come to God in confession. And I see God. I see God even in the midst of my failures, even in the midst of our sin. So don't think that you just see God in your successes. Because God is powerfully present when you guys make mistakes when you come to him. Fill yourself with scripture. It says um, in John fifteen three, You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Okay, it's important that, you know, we study the scripture. Now, remember I told you this one question really irks me, and that question is, are you in the word of God? Remember I told you that? We're asking the wrong question when we're asking people, are you in the word of God? What's the question we should ask, be asking people? Exactly. Is the word of God in you? Right? That's the question we should be asking. Not, are you into the word? But is the word of God in you? And that's the power to help purify our heart. As if the word of God is in us and we are living our lives in accordance to the word of God. And we are not only reading it, but we are applying it to our life. And lastly, live a life in accordance with God's word. Live a life in accordance with God's word. In Galatians 5.16, Paul writes, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How many of times... Uh, times we fail to see God because we're doing battle trying to stop certain behaviors but I but you know one thing I want to tell you you're going to lose every time if you try to do it on your own behavior own power you know Richard Foster calls that the worship of the will that rather than depending on God you are worshiping your willpower your own ability to try to stop to try to change your behavior however if you walk by the Spirit, you know, it's easy. Why? Because God's doing all the work. And that, God always meant it that way. God never meant for our spiritual journey, for us to use our own power to try to battle, you know, the struggles that we're going through. To try to do it on our own power to live with a pure heart or to create a pure heart. Because it's impossible for us to have a pure heart 100% of the time. Right? You know that. I know that. Read in Scripture. We'll see that. However, however... It is impossible to have a pure heart if you're trying to do it on your own power. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit do we have a chance. And we do that by walking with the Holy Spirit. It's really important for us to have a pure heart. Because the Bible says that only those who have a pure heart can see God. You know, there's no question, there's no confusion there. And so, if we want to see God, you know, we have to choose to make a decision to draw close to God to have that pure heart. Otherwise, we won't see God. You know, and God doesn't bend. He doesn't say, okay, Dave, I get it. It's kind of tough for you. I'll I'll let you slide on this one. (laughs) No. He said, Dave... I want to reveal myself to you. You don't know how badly I want to reveal myself to you. I want to be in this wonderful relationship with you. A relationship that you can't even imagine. But I will only do that if you have a pure heart. That's why it's so important. Could you you imagine how sad God is? 
you know, and our loyalties divided because we don't see. And it's not like God needs us, but our life could be so much richer if we experienced God and saw God on a continuous basis. So what's a weekly challenge this week? Well, ask God to reveal any areas where your loyalty to God is divided by praying Psalm 139.23 every day. And this is what we call praying the scriptures. Just pray this. Read it as a prayer. And when you ask God to search your heart, say it as a prayer. So pray Psalm 139.23 every day. And then for some of us, if we have been neglecting reading your Bible every day, we'll start reading it again this week. And not only reading it, um, apply to your life. And please, please, please do not start with Genesis. Because I guarantee you, you're going to start with Genesis and you're going to be going, woo, I'm doing well. You're going to get to Exodus and all right, I'm still going. Then you're going to boom, Leviticus. Oh, man. You know? Then you're going to stop. Try with Matthew. Start with Matthew. If you haven't uh, read scripture in a while, start with the Gospels. Don't start uh, with Genesis. Um, Finally, and this is a tough one. Ask someone you trust if they can point out an area in your life where there is an incongruity between your words and your actions. Because a lot of times we can't see it, but others see it. And if we want to have a pure heart, we need to know what some of the, okay, I see some of your spouses laughing. Okay, now this isn't a, a tit for that, t- tit for that tat type of thing, right? But, you know, one of the things that we want to do is like iron sharpens iron. That's what we want to do. So um, as we enter into this week, to try to live with a pure heart, you know, I encourage you to do all, try to at least do these three things. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you know, we know it's difficult to have a pure heart. But Father, we understand that we can't do it on ourselves, on our own. And Lord, inside each one of us, we're so desperate to see you. And yet, Father, I know that we fulfill it with other things. It could be wanting to live a comfortable life. Father, it could be um, acquiring a certain, certain status or, or, or popularity or trying to do things our way. Or it could just be fear that, Lord, if we you know, ask you that you won't show up. Whatever it is, Father, that divides our loyalty with you. Father, I pray that this week, or that this day, Father, that you would reveal it to us so that we could confess that to you. And knowing, Father, and have hope and faith and belief that once we confess it to you, Father, we can have that pure heart that sees you, that satisfies us, that enables us to drink from the water that you give us that we will never thirst again. Father, yet I know that there are people in this congregation that are just struggling right now. And so, Father, I pray that you would show them grace. Father, that you would let them know that even though you don't bend on these things, that you are a patient God, that you are a loving God, 
and that they are not alone. And Father, that you promise that you began a good work inside each one of their lives. And Father, you will see it through to completion until your son Jesus comes back or until you have called us home. So Father, may that encourage those who struggle. And also, Father, may we all have hope knowing that one day, one day, Father, we will see you perfectly. And Father, what a glorious day that'll be. And that awaits all of us who have chosen to believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. So thank you so much for that hope, that even though we don't see you clearly now, Father, one day, one day, we will. In your son's name we pray, amen.